Welcome back to Forbidden Knowledge News. I'm your host, Chris Matthew. Today my guest is William Ramsey. First, I have a couple of announcements. The first episode of the Forbidden Documentary is completed. It will soon be available for you to download on Amazon Prime and other streaming platforms. Right now, you can get a unique limited edition version of Episode 1 that won't be available on Amazon. You get that right now at our website, that's ForbiddenKnowledge.news. Also, if you are a Rockfin subscriber, you can watch it directly on Rockfin. Just click the link in the description to get access to that right now. You can now get Forbidden Knowledge News live five days a week on Rockfin, Rumble, and our website. That website, again, is ForbiddenKnowledge.news. This is also the home of the Forbidden Knowledge Network. We feature some amazing podcasts there. And you can always get every new episode of Forbidden Knowledge News on Rockfin, Rumble, and all podcast platforms. Be sure to sign up on Rockfin. This is where you get our premium content. Best of all, you get all the premium content from every amazing creator on Rockfin. Just go to rockfin.com slash fknplus or use that link right in the description. Today I want to welcome back to the show William Ramsey. He is an attorney, author, and researcher. Graduate of the University of California, Berkeley, with a degree in history, he has authored several books and produced documentaries. William, welcome back. How you doing? Doing well, Chris. Thanks for having me back. Thanks for the invite. Yes, great to have you back. These are always fascinating conversations, and today we're going to discuss the disturbing realms of serial killers, mainly the smiley face killings and the possibility that some of these crimes throughout our modern history may have either been part of organized cults or even more disturbing for me – that some of these psychopaths may have been willing or unwilling participants in a much larger black operation. And we're going to be going over some of the more recent cases that you've been looking at and see if we can peel back some of these layers. But before we get to any of this, for those that may not be familiar, tell us a little bit about your work and what led you to look into these cases. Good question. I really kind of became kind of like you're what your shirt says, question everything. One of those type of people. I was very distrustful of the corporate media. I always thought that they didn't look uh, enough into some of these stories. So I did a lot of my own research. It led to me writing my first book in 2010 about Aleister Crowley. And then I uh, worked, did some work on this West Memphis 3 because there was more to that story. And then I was following up with this story about children of the beast people cruelly influenced and while i was doing that i kept seeing these smiley faces pop up and all these people who follow Crowley. like what are you doing with the smiley face so it led me to like try to figure out what this symbol meant it was kind of like obviously there's a exoteric or meaning of like just a smiley happy face but why were all these guys having this alan moore and genesis george so that led me to kind of this theory that people had bandied about i thought it was an urban myth of this notion of the smiley face killers, which really was forwarded or put out by two guys, Gannon and Gilbertson and Duarte was uh, Gannon's uh, police partner. So Gannon and, and Duarte were in New York city. Gilbertson was, I think somewhere in Minnesota or Wisconsin, but uh, that was it. So I thought like, this is, I, I'm going to look into this. So I started looking into it maybe 2015, 2016. And then I actually followed a couple cases. There was a young man out of uh, Columbus, Ohio, was the, really the first case that I covered. His name was Joey Labute, 
and he disappeared out of a bar in downtown Columbus. And I so, so like people were looking onto it. There were other researchers on Facebook or Twitter. And like, if this guy shows up in the river, this is going to be like this typical phenomenon of young men disappearing out of college bars or something later to be found in river in pl- places I've previously searched as well. So that would be kind of how you describe this phenomenon. Young men mm. disappeared uh, without saying anything. So it's not like a standard drowning where like you and I went out to the lake and I had a misadventure and couldn't be found. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is something that happens at night. Typically, almost all these cases happen at night. Nothing's during the day. Now, what was the mainstream was- narrative that first came out whenever the media first started reporting that there were smiley face killers that were leaving the certain signature? Good point. So there, it has been covered by a number of journalists, and there's this debunking. The FBI put something out, I think, in 2008 that said that this they could find no evidence that this was a crime. Um, so there have been other debunkers or people who have downplayed it. And did it first certain... come out in the media in, was it in the 90s? They, You can trace maybe the first case is a guy by the name of McNeil in 1997. That was the first mm-hmm. kind of public case. There might have been something... Or things that happened before that but that was so it's really kind of a fairly recent phenomenon mm-hmm. uh there have been like the mob has dumped bodies in rivers for like 50 years or lakes and stuff like that like they they, they like uh hudson bay is apparently like a huge dumping ground but uh those are the most recent cases i think is is kind of they call mcneil uh victim zero but it really has kind of skyrocketed since that 1997 case he was a young college student who went to Fordham, was McNeil in, in Manhattan, last seen in Manhattan. Now, when but, you put that in Google, the first thing that comes up is Keith Hunter Jefferson, Canadian. Jefferson, right. Jefferson, yeah, a Canadian-American serial yeah. killer. What's what's up with this guy? Well, that guy, that's a distinction between what's termed the smiley face killings, and he was known as the happy face killer because mm. he would write the same kind of smiley face on his letters. But he was a serial killer who killed women he was a truck driver okay so some people conflate those two together i would say they're two different sections i think it's really kind of the victims like the victimology the typology of the smiley face killers as men mm. as opposed to kind of like uh a guy who just got bust uh allegedly busted as the lisk gilgo beach serial killer his name is hewerman right supposedly he's allegedly the guy responsible for the serial killing but women so these cases seem to be men. Mm. But like I said, going back to Joey LeBute, Joey LeBute was kind of, just to kind of wrap up how I became interested in these cases, Joey LeBute was a, was a first. He was found 19 days later in the Scioto River, very close, previously searched. So why is that? And so, so I, then I really kind of, something clicked in my mind. I got to follow these cases. So I followed and really have just watched this whole thing progress. It died down over COVID, over pandemic, but then, really skyrocketed in Chicago and Austin. There's been a lot of cases. And Chicago's had just an incredible spate of cases really since the end of uh, the pandemic. Very recently, people talk about serial killers and names. But I keep following and watching these cases. Another researcher who I use, I've made two documentaries on the subject. And the uh, first one was 2017, and the second was over the pandemic, 2021. But I used a guy by the name of Jim Smith. And you can see him on Twitter at Smiley Face Cult. He's really followed these cases as well. We kind of synced up. He was my research 
guy for the first documentary, but like he's seen almost 50 to 100 cases, like predicted. This guy's going to be found in a river because they all fit the same pattern. They're out late mm-hmm. at night. They start acting strange, out of question. They're usually really healthy. Like, the, why would they drown? They had a guy just now in Chicago, Seamus Gray, who was like a merchant marine. Like he worked in water, supposedly like got lost and drowned, which really uh, strains credulity. Like it's it's not believable. But that's when that's how kind of to answer your first question. That's how I got interested. That's how I've been interested. It hasn't been the focus of all my time, but I just have been keep going with these cases. And then it's like what just happened uh, in uh, Martha's Vineyard the president this guy's out there out swimming and something goes on and the guy supposedly drowns they found him the next day like if they reported him missing it's very strange like these are very strange that might have been a real drowning i don't know yeah but yeah there are very odd seeming connections with a lot of this stuff now you mentioned that there at some of the earliest connections can even go back to the teachings of Crowley and followers of Crowley. Could you explain a little bit about how that connects? Well, Crowley kind of definitely believed in kind of human sacrifice and there are kind of rituals and things like that, that involve water uh, dropping, you know, totems in water and things like that. So maybe this is something like that. Some of the deeper things Uh, I've studied also people who, who knew about Crowley, but, uh, this group called the Order of Nine Angles, which you're supposed to kind of commit a murder but not get caught. Like that's actually part of their doctrines, really, is mm-hmm. to create chaos and what they would call an opfer, which is a German word for sacrifice. But uh, it's, uh, I think Crowley could be involved. I think definitely his followers seem to know something. And my understanding is that the smiley face concept goes back to William Burroughs, uh, who was kind of a Stone Cold Witch. I mean, that was his writing. He, they put him in the kind of um, alternative or you know counterculture figure. But he was an occultist, and apparently that this is where it comes from. Is that's how people kind of learned about this uh, whole smiley face com- concept? And my understanding is what the I talked about the exoteric meaning. The esoteric meaning is to smile through tragedy or maintain this kind of happy. Or uh, well-being, even when tragedies surround you or uh, tragic things happen. So that's that. And I've seen that actually referenced by uh, a number of people. So that's what I think it really means. And that that was how it got the name is that the original two guys who were investigating, where they think the bodies went into the water, somebody would spray paint a smiley face. So that's how this phenomenon got the label of a smiley face. Right. So. Now, you sent me quite a few cases that have been occurring in recent years. Maybe we could go over some of these cases, some of the most profound evidence and interesting information that you found from some of these, starting with the earliest one you sent me is in 2015. Right. So I kind of separated those cases by region. So I did Austin, Chicago. There were recent cases in Vancouver and then Houston. Um, but yeah, the, the, those ones in, in Austin, the most recent, like there's a whole spate of them that have ended up in water most recently in 2023. But uh, the first one was Julio Santos, who was found in Lady. These are all found in Lady Bird Lake, too, which is really strange. But it's mm-hmm. big news in Austin. It didn't seem to these stories 
didn't seem to get national. And where is Lady like Bird that. Lake at? If you looked at a map of Austin, there, you'd see the downtown and mm-hmm. then kind of Rainy Street, which might be their kind of uh, tourist area. And then just beneath that, the river flows through just south of downtown into Lady Bird Lake. It's named after LBJ's wife, right? Lady Bird mm, Johnson. Okay. So it's really right there. It's kind of in the midst of, you know, the whole downtown area. But uh, there's been the spate and, you know, people are talking. The most recent was like this guy, Moga Dogal, uh, in June 27th. It's really not that long ago, just a month ago. But, yeah, there's yeah. been a whole spate of them. Uh, then there was one who guy who was a survivor, which is an interesting story. His name was Christopher Pugh. And he disappeared and was missing for like two days. And he had no 60... For 60 hours, he had no memory of what happened to him. He's found in the shrubs, yeah. So clearly, and, and a lot of the original researchers, Gannon and Gilbertson, has found like a connection uh, to GBH, right? GBH is an endogenous chemical in your body, but at higher doses, it causes you to kind now, of GBH, I've heard of GHB. Is this? GHB, yeah. Okay, okay. Right on, right on. It's yeah. gamma hydroxybutyrate or something like that. Mm-hmm. But it's actually kind of known as a kind of a... Kind of a roofie date rape drug. Right. Yeah, thing. yeah, yeah. Now, I don't think it has any flavor. I don't think you can you can taste it either. No, unfortunately, um, I had experience with that myself oh, at, right. in in my early twenties. Someone had dosed one of my drinks, and and I almost got in my car and died and killed myself for you know oh, wow. just one starting to drive. But luckily, my friends We're caught right. me and and didn't allow anything else to happen. But yeah, I never figured out what exactly happened with that. But it was it like I'd had no memory of anything. I just kind of passed out behind my steering wheel. Woke up. Uh, I don't know how much long, how much later with my friends surrounding me trying to wake me up, but it was, it was pretty terrifying. Were you in a kind of a downtown urban area? Yeah, well, it was, it was a small town. It was uh, in South Louisiana. This was in the probably late nineties, somewhere around that time. Yeah. Yeah. So. Well, a lot of those bars, there's a connection of drugging. Like a lot of people Mm. are getting drugged. Like there were druggings on rainy street in Austin. And here in L.A., there's a lot of stories about people getting drugged. There was actually a drug, drugging thief group in Austin who got busted, who were going to these bars and drugging people and taking their money because they were good marks. And actually, the same thing happened in New York City. So these are very recent. So maybe these cases are associated with these uh, groups of people, drugging people, taking their money, and maybe somebody dies or something like that. But, right, yeah, there's right. really strange things going on. So people have to really be careful. Now, uh, as far as these recent cases, do they have the same similarities as as the previous cases? Bodies found in water, it's all men of a certain age? Pretty much. I mean, some the age groups are a little older in some of these. Like, there was a 40-year-old, a 30-year-old. Um, one of the guys was very curious. Like, Jonathan, I think his name was, it was Jason John. He had a connect, he had a, his girlfriend worked for, Echo Health Alliance, like one of these people involved in the whole COVID scandal. So they, some of these are very strange. There was a Cunningham guy who died in, who was found in a river who worked at the CDC. He was a Harvard-trained uh, mm. epidemiologist or something like that. Yeah. Disappeared and then found in a river. So strange things have happened. But yeah, the Austin cases have all that sim- similarity. Last seen downtown, partying or drinking with friends, disappeared. Nobody knows where they went. And then found later in water, and that's kind of like the interesting thing that differentiates this case, these cases from a standard drowning, is that like people will see like Joe went swimming and drowned, like we know he went in the water, 
but nobody sees these people go in the water. There's no like somebody. Oh yeah, I saw him at two thirty. I was uh, out smoking a cigarette and I saw the dude acting strange and jump in the water. Nobody ever sees that. That's what that's what really typifies the SFK phenomenon is that nobody sees these people go in water. They're just found there. It seems like some of these are just automatically being dismissed as accidental drownings, yes. nothing suspicious, police say or nothing suspicious happened with this case. That's very interesting when especially with some of the details that you were sharing like some of these people are trained to be around water and it's very uncharacteristic of them to just drown so are there any other cases where it seems like very odd circumstances that the police are just ruling accidental yeah there's tons like going back like these are the ones the outline that i sent you are just the recent cases but a lot of these older cases are very strange there's cases out of pittsburgh there's recent cases out of pittsburgh but one who i followed is dakota james and he was a swimmer. He was like the head of his swim team team in high school. Mm-hmm. Like they found him, like they supposedly said he drowned. He was fit as a fiddle, you know, like a young athletic guy. Mm. Um, but what was strange about that case, he was found in the Ohio River 40 days after he disappeared, but his body was almost in perfect shape. There was no sign of decom- decomposition. Wow. So where was Dakota James for 40 days? And that's oh. similarity of a lot of these cases is that people are found there was one of the early cases that Gannon studied um, out of, uh, was it LaSalle or some, somewhere in Wisconsin where the body had been deliberately frozen. So they found it in a, in a state of being thought out. So yeah. somebody was doing really heavy duty, clever stuff. And that's how that, that one killer in New York City got the name the Iceman, right? That um, forgot his name, but he was a serial killer, mm. mob hitman. And he would confuse the police by taking his victims and shoving him in a, um, in like a refrigerator. Does there do seem to be a lot of mob crossover with with some of this stuff? Some aren't. That's kind of what's strange about it. It's like a lot of these guys are pretty straight. The victims, who I would call victims, are pretty straight laced. They're educated. They're smart. Um, they're not a lot of the family. One of the giveaways that something happened or misadventure happened is the family members say like this is totally out of character for this guy Mm -hmm. um almost all of them do like that's how you can tell is like yeah he only has two drinks a night like what are you talking about this is not a heavy drinker um but uh the the they're not there doesn't seem to be a mob element there seems to be and this the the gannon and gilbertson have said this is that there seems to be some group with a similar interest in this targeted population that's communicating online and they use mm-hmm. symbols and things like that. Mm-hmm. So Gannon and Gilbertson have said um, they found like 10 symbols associated with it. So it has that kind of trappings of occultism. Mm-hmm. And there was a really interesting case that just happened last year. I think it was November 2022. The young man luckily survived, but he went out to go take go go take a leak after a TD Garden game. There's been like four cases or three cases out of TD Garden in Boston. Boston is definitely a hotspot. Um, but he went out to go to the bathroom and he doesn't remember anything. And he was found in the water face down like 10 minutes later by his friends. Like, where's Joe? I forgot his name, but you can see this interview online and he doesn't remember. And he was pulled from the water by his friends. And there was a mystery guy there who was pulled. They have a picture of him, but nobody knows why he was there or what he was doing with this like potential victim. 
So it was just a really interesting case. Yeah, really. So there's all kinds of strange. Go ahead. Well, I'm just saying there's all kinds of high weirdness Mm. involved in a lot of these cases. Like there's guys who like this guy Pew. There's another one in Boston. Just like strange things. Like one of the original cases was a Bobby Hurley guy who came out of TD Garden and was waiting for his girlfriend. He had his phone and literally just disappeared later to be found. in I think it's the Charles River. Mm. Now, as far as survivors, uh, how many documented survivors have you come across and what information could they have provided as to any evidence? That's a good question. The thing is, is they can't remember. So like Christopher Mm. Pugh, they don't know. He doesn't remember anything because he was drugged. Um, And there's been a couple other. There's been some reports by another guy I've heard who was found next to a river. Uh, Same thing happened in uh wisconsin there was a survivor who something like went wrong there was another guy who's found like underneath uh, like a turnstile he just woke up he was like drinking in a bar and then came to his senses like far away and the, he went to the judge you know they t- took him in i think they busted him for trespassing he says i'm really sorry just, i don't really know what happened to me i just woke up there that's when i came to consciousness so um there the the notion of a survivor, the other thing is that like somebody may be caught for one of these cases and then they don't see it as a serial killing, right? So mm. there was a guy in Michigan, his name was Katunsky, who was on, there's also a correlation between like male dating apps. Like the original guy that I was talking to you about, um, Joey Labute, was on a d- male dating app. I don't know if it was Grinder or not, mm. but this guy, Latunsky, was on Grinder. And he found some guy, I can remember his name because it's the same name of the actor, Kevin Bacon. And uh, the cops did a great job, actually, and traced him back to this guy Latunsky's house. And Latunsky said, yeah, come on in. Yeah, no worries. It was almost like Silence of the Lambs or something like that. Because they went and said, can we check downstairs? And so the cops went downstairs and the cops found a fake panel with a dungeon. And there was the victim upside down. Mm. And Latunsky had eaten, eaten his testicles. Oh, and he wow. just finally got sentenced. Yeah, he got sentenced just uh, within the last year. But he might have been involved in all kinds of stuff. He actually worked in Pittsburgh. So some of these guys, like, they don't get caught for the whole shit. Like Huneman, this guy who got busted for the list killings. Looks like mm. he was killing people for a long time. But And there's it's possible that some of these guys that have been caught are, are connected in some way. Yeah, yeah. Latunsky is a good uh, case in point of that because because he had a very active social media life and he carried he had some symbol around his neck of a uh, werewolf and he they would they were online talking with other people with the same interest in men they were all gay but all kinds of weird coded messaging uh he said i'm the last guy you want to meet out on a night out like he would say really threatening stuff they were anti-christian so it was a weird group. Like, I, if I was a cop, I'd be investigating all those people. Well, like, speaking of the work. cops, it's with the the fact that uh, it seems that a lot of these are just being ruled accident, accidental drowning. Right. How probable is it that there is police involvement or a cover up of some sort? That's a great question. I think that that some of these are covered up, and I've talked to other people about this. And I think the incentive of the authorities is to downplay any deaths and murders whether it's on college campuses because of the financial interest. Mm. Like, why would you send your son to a college if there was a serial killer there, right? 
So I think that the int it's kind of somebody uh, talked to who made the correlation between this thing and like Jaws, right? So Amityville, yeah, there's no shark. Everybody get back in the water, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. So it's almost kind of like, so the, the, I think that the authorities don't want to downplay. Now I know that the authorities are aware of this kind of phenomenon because they've showed up at certain meetings. So for example, the mother of Joey Labute uh, went and talked to the DA in Pittsburgh and in that, in that meeting with somebody from the secret service and the FBI. So why would mm. they be there? So that was really, and Joey Labute is a very interesting case to look at for a wide variety of reasons. Mm. But he's uh, one of the other interesting things about the medical examination of Joey Labute is that it was done by a Chinese guy and nothing came out to the public. And the, the family wisely got uh, Cyril Wecht, who's a very famous medical examiner who lives in Pittsburgh, to take a look at the body. And he found something different, which was ligature marks around the deck of Joey Labute. So I think that the, that's why these bodies are thrown in water is to... Uh, remove evidence of anything, whether it's torture or stuff. And and the same thing actually happened with uh, McNeil, this one case I mentioned in 1997. The family never got a copy of the autopsy. But when they got a copy, copy of the autopsy and had somebody check it out, uh, McNeil had been blowtorched above the waist. And it, they said that there were rope burns like oh. he was tied in a chair. Yeah. Wow. So really dark, like heavy duty, like BDSM stuff. And there are ties of that kind of thing involved in this too. But I think that that's kind of what these cases are, are abductions. They're being held for a time and then murdered wow. either there and then dropped in the water. Yeah. So they're pre-drowned or something like that, which is why if you look at the the cover of my first documentary, I kind of, I mean, it's pretty dark stuff. I don't think it's happening everywhere, but I think that it's a kind of crime and MO that they these uh, evildoers have, do, have practiced to not get caught. But the cover of my first, just one sec, yeah. the cover of my first documentary shows a guy who's all tied up in leather and it has a tube into his neck like he's being drowned. And it was based upon a video called Broken that was uh, associated with the Nine Inch Nails band and was directed by a very dark actor, a guy who was uh, a member of the Illuminates of Thanateros, Thanateros, Death and Sex, right? Um, so... I really covered a lot of that kind of darkest culture. Like it's the darkest part of um, a modern culture. I really covered that element within my first documentary. If you want to check it out. No, it's also very interesting that a lot of even the, the known serial killers that have been caught and that we know about lots of them have either military ties have been in the military family members that are involved with military industrial complex in, in some way. So those connections send a lot of red flags out. They certainly do. There's a lot. Uh, there, You can go through the trace. You can read McGowan's program to kill and see how many people are associated with the military industrial. If they have a military industrial complex or military, and if they were in there, some of them literally were like mind control subjects, like Gary Eidnick yeah. was totally schismogenified. Like he was in there and then he went crazy. Some of these guys go just like they are. Somebody does something to you, to them, drugs or something like the same thing happened with Whitey Bulger. He was like one of the early uh, MK Ultra su uh, mm. subjects, and like mm -hmm. he had seventeen. I mean, he was a legit serial killer. He was a mobster, but I think he had seventeen kills under his belt. Wow. So, um, yeah, there's a lot. I mean, that's like a whole part of that the book is very important. Is that it shows 
that some of these guys are in the military they're being tested on or, or tankered with. Or possibly even created as some sort of assassin, and maybe the the serial killer is a cover for something much deeper going on, possibly. There was a really interesting, I wonder if I can find this, this, uh, no, it's called, there was a guy called, called, and it's in Program to Kill, his name was Narut. It was uh, N-A-R-U-T, and he made a, like something through NATO in 1975, where his the- he did a thesis for his master's, I think it was, talking about how the ONI or somebody, one of these government agencies, was literally recruiting people and turning them into assassins. And it was totally covered up. Like, you can't even find a reference to that anymore. But that was really just showing that these programs existed within the government to actually create killers and things like that all through that mk ultra program that started in 1953 uh by dulles but these that was actually you know part of uh some of these programs is to do that and some of these guys came out of the phoenix program right phoenix program was this really heavy duty psychological operation in vietnam and then they came out and influenced people so Shawcross was one of these guys who was a killer i think in new york serial killer who went through phoenix and then uh ramirez his family member went through the phoenix program in vietnam so there's definitely ties there between um these government kind of operations and these serial killers no doubt now there's a few other serial killers that i want to take a look at that i know you've looked into one very recently that i'm not sure if you looked into yet the long island killer that was recently caught rex hewerman is there have you done any research into this case I have. I've done a lot. I've actually did a show program on my podcast, William Ramsey Investigates, about him. Great. So I looked into him in detail, yeah. And he's an interesting character. Uh, and I probably, there's more victims than what they had him for, like the mm-hmm. original, uh, uh, what is it, criminal complaint or whatever, had three or four victims from Gilgo Beach. But he was telling people in like his associates that there were 10 deaths. So how would he know that there were 10 deaths when they're only attributing four to him or they have enough evidence to attribute four to him? But it was an interesting case. He had this other dark side. His wife didn't know anything about him. She's divorced him, but he had this kind of burner phones that he would use. And they like, he was a real monster. He would like take his victims phones and torment the families. So they caught, they could, by using the cell phone signals, they could trace these calls that he supposedly allegedly made to the families to his business, his uh, business office in Manhattan. Now, so on the other was, side of the coin, do you think some of these guys are legitimately acting on their own will and just are complete psychopaths, lone gunmen? It's a really good question. I mean, I think that some of them seem to communicate. I think that there mm-hmm. are communications between killers or uh, uh, evildoers online or the dark web through different like he had fake names Hewerman had, had two fake names and was like the on really gnarly like uh child pornography searches on his phone um like, like torture and rape and stuff like that um but like i think that they've done studies on i've, I've studied and, and had like in my initial kind of inquiry because it's the males that are the victims i was looking at the kind of the homosexual angle so i looked at the homosexual serial killers i've done shows on dahmer mm. um baumeister uh eiler who was a midwestern serial killer and there was another guy in a uh, gay serial killer 
uh, port in who was port in um, London who was drugging guys with GHB. And then there was another guy who had a hundred victims in LA. Jeez. But I've talked to these separate authors separately, the people who've kind of uh, talked to them. And they said that th there's no way that these guys could have operated individually. So Eiler had, there was another suspect that was never um, caught with Eiler and he was suspected to be involved with him. But Eiler was smart. He would go and he would go and, uh, go to different jurisdictions to commit his crime so that they wouldn't, you know, he would assume that they would not communicate with each other. And then there was another one, this one serial killer, whose name I risk, I can't remember his name, but there was bodies thrown from a car. So who, what, what they surmise is there's no way a guy can drive and chuck a 150 pound body out the, out the window at the same time. So it has to be somebody else. So a lot, some of these guys are working groups and there's been group killers, whether it's the, Hillside Strangler here in Los Angeles, where I'm at, where two guys were together, Bianchi and Bono. And um, so there's a Chicago Ripper crew. Like, it's a weird thing, but the Chicago Ripper crew, the guy, Gecht, worked for John Wayne Gacy. Like, it's yeah. off the charts. So in Gacy, yeah. there was uh, victims who survived Gacy who said that Gacy was in the room and somebody turned a light off in another room. So, like, somebody yeah. else knew what Gacy was up to. Yeah. Well, well, now uh, now that we're, we're we're on Gacy, you were telling me some other interesting, lesser known facts about that case before we got started. What else have you found out about Gacy that most people probably wouldn't know about? Well, he was uh, like his target was young men, right? He was attracted to men, so he fit the kind of profile maybe like a offender who was doing these smiley face killings. But the last four victims in Chicago, Gacy lived in Chicago were dumped in bodies of water, right? So that's how he would dispose of bodies, much like the Atlanta child killings, right? They were all thrown in bodies of water and for a probably for a variety of reasons. But um, the other thing about Casey is that he was investigated and there's uh, for actual like other young men who were found in bodies of water outside of Chicago because he would travel around. And there's actually a really interesting video about a guy who met Casey in like, Kentucky, who Gacy was trying to, like, he thought Gacy was trying to kill him. And he had the cuffs and stuff like that. But he found out later that there was a detective in Chicago who was trying to track down these cases and track down what Gacy was up to. So Gacy was smart, too. He was leaving the jurisdiction to find victims. You know, he would mm -hmm. go to other states and things like that. So there's probably disappearances and deaths uh, associated with Gacy that aren't in the standard in case you did have military ties too, right? I don't know. I don't recall. Mm. I don't recall. I mean, he was a, he was a known political activist in Chicago. Like he mm. had parties and he was very social. He mm. dressed up as a clown and stuff like that. Interesting. But yeah, I don't I don't know about his military background. Now, you also mentioned Jeffrey Dahmer, and they just recently had the the next the Netflix movie sort of glamorizing his his psychopathy there. What have you found out about Dahmer that may not fit the narrative that we're being told? Well, they kind of got into his Satanism, but he was definitely into the occult. He definitely had military ties. He went to Germany. He served for I can't remember how long, but uh he also was a drugger, right? That's he was kicked out of certain uh bathhouses in the uh Chicago area. Actually, he in the Milwaukee area, that's why he had to go to Chicago. 
And actually, one of the interesting ties about uh, Dahmer is the connection between him and Barack Obama, both bathhouse marauders in Chicago right around the same time, right around the early 90s. Mm. Uh, And you can look up a place called Man's Country, and there's a lot of interesting evidence. Like, there's pictures of Man's Country was a gay, was like a bathhouse. But there's pictures of the of the operator of Man's Country with Barack Obama, and Barack Obama was rumored to be a member there before his really his political before his political career took off, his charmed political career, you know, going from Chicago to senator to president. Wow! And then this this happened yesterday. Is is his uh, you know cook for a long time cook chef uh, ended up in water drowned, and that actually happened to the longtime chef of the Clintons as well. Supposedly drowned in a body of water in um, in in Colorado, actually. Mm. So, like mysterious kind of uh, end. So now, is there some kind of occult symbolism or message behind leaving offerings in the water that it was some part of a Crowleyan ritual? Is there any other type of occult symbolism that might be connected to this? <clears throat> I think that really the occultism is kind of like what the water represents and what may be happening. I mean, I don't know. It's hard to ascertain the um, how an occultist really thinks about stuff. But, I mean, I think that if, like, people have associated the water with the underworld and Poseidon and these, you know, gods underneath that were thrust out of heaven to live, like, in from old Greek culture. So maybe it's some kind of, like, appeasement thing of like you're you're sacrificing these gods to um you know these people to these gods like as an offering and it's you know it it could be that deep i don't know i'm not but people have surmised that that's something like that what was the other not neptune it was uh, poseidon neptune yeah with the trident Mm -hmm. so those type of things uh that but i just sent you if you pull up your email Mm -hmm. open up that picture and see if you can share that because I think that that's a it's a pretty much of a shocker. Let's see here. You just sent it. Yeah, I just sent it. I Let's didn't see, get see it. Yet. Went okay. But uh, as soon as I get it, I'll, I'll pop it up on the screen here. To forbidden knowledge news. Yeah, it's an interesting little uh, assignment. So a lot of these people know this kind of darker stuff. They know what the smiley face represents, and it's associated with a lot of kind of cult activity. It's not just associated with these types of deaths. So very interesting. Um, yeah, and yeah, it's kind of like a countercultural underworld type thing. Like it was associated with rave parties and dance parties and techno back in the UK back in the day. And it's totally suffused in Alan Watts. Uh, what is it? Uh, what's that cartoon that he had with the comedian? It was the Watchman. You ever see the Watchman? Yeah, I have. Yeah. Yeah. So the smiley face is really associated with everything, and the character in the the comedian, it kind of encapsulates this kind of uh, cult meaning of the smiley face, where he can go to Vietnam and kill people and laugh about it and joke about it, like it didn't affect him at all. And you said that there's evidence that there may be some sort of organized communication that be could that could be happening online via dark web or back so. channels i think people of all i think if you have very 
dark inclinations, you can probably find a group for whatever. Well, and I did I, in the, my first documentary, I did a thing about this. Uh, it was called Kink. Was a documentary about a kind of subterranean BDSM group in San Francisco that would do these rooms like super graphic, super adult mm. things where people from all over the world would pay to watch the live video mm. and it was legal. But imagine that where it's illegal. Have you ever heard the term of a red room? Yeah. Yeah. And so maybe that this might be something like that. Like there's always, there's been notions of stuff, snuff films back in the day mm. of being very uh, worth, uh, very paid for or prized. And the whole Dutro case, too, was really strange. Like, Dutro said that some of the people that were abducted were pre-selected. Like, somebody had, find me this person, and they went out and find that, found that really dark, really dark evil stuff. So it, it might be that dark. It reminds thing. me of some of the, the research I've been doing about the vampire culture in New Orleans and some of these underground clubs that are portrayed as just this fun type of role-playing cosplay thing but in reality there's some very dark cult-like aspects to some of these vampire groups that have these underground clubs where people have actually gone missing it's been tied to many missing person cases and actual murders and occult ritualistic activity that's been reported so that's very interesting as well wow there was like a guy, a role player. The, you ever hear of the Vampire Killers, the Vampire Clan? No. They were into blood drinking. Yeah. His name was, I uh, can't remember his name, but they were all in a group and they would drink each other's blood and stuff like that. Yeah, it's um, similar to what uh, some of these, the things that are going on in these underground clubs. And there's. Yeah, and he took, he took it like the name of, um, he took the name of like a, uh, like a old, he was, he thought he was an old vampire. But he was like drinking blood. It was Visaggio. His name was Roderick Farrell uh, from the Vampire Clan. And they ended up killing somebody. But they were in Kentucky. But they traveled around. And I think they ended up in, of all places, where they were abducted was New Orleans. Where, by the way, the police got them was New Orleans. Mm. I'm not making it I'm not making it up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's a, a huge underground, very strange type of occult vampire culture there that could be involved with a lot more nefarious acts than being portrayed from like your TV shows and things like that. So it's very interesting. Now I want to touch on the aspect, the very controversial aspect of the possibility that we, what we've seen with a lot of these school shootings could have been a manipulation, mind control type of scenario where the individuals involved may have been, pushed in certain directions by communication online with certain groups, certain individuals. This is something that is continuously happening, and there is an obvious agenda behind this. But I want to get your insights into some of those possibilities. I think it's possible. I think the guy who was in Buffalo who did the – it wasn't a school shooting, but he went to Buffalo and shot – he had like an FBI online handler of some sort. Mm -hmm. So he may have been mind-zapped. And some of these guys have like dissociative states. That's really the intro to program to kill is how they create dissociation through trauma or anything. So um, I don't think it's outside of the realm of possibility. If you look even like the original school shooters, uh, Dylan Liebold and Harris, 
like they had some weird background like they were both raped by somebody in the in a position of authority like a cop or something like that mm. they were talking about that and they their parents were involved in the military industrial complex at least the father of Harris I know that for sure um so and they were both on SSRIs too there's a correlation between the SSRIs and these school shooters where they go into kind of some kind of fugue state and they and the 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 fact that the big pharma devils can actually convince people that these are antidepressants is uh amusing in a way because they're really not they're they put people in a fugue state they really mm. you don't have highs or lows you get zombified by ssris yeah uh, i've talked like, with plenty of people who are looking yeah. at the the possibility that what was done in the the mk ultra experiments is being rolled out now with a combination of the psychological operations pharmaceuticals even the implementation and, and normalization of psychedelics in certain ways are all part of implementing what was once an experiment and now rolling out an actual operation from this i totally agree with you a lot of people think that smk ultra was just kind of some mind you know you just want to control one person's mind that was part of it there were tons of subgroups it's 149 mm. with subgroups and things that aren't revealed they destroyed a lot of the records uh or kept them like they told people during the church committee in the 70s we got rid of it but uh the whole idea of mk ultra was total social control that's what they wanted that was the, the it was a way to rule the people, mm-hmm. and so I think that these ideas uh, were all the implemented all the way up until the present, certainly under COVID. So I think yeah. that they knew how to socially engineer people through behavioral psychology and atomize people. Like, don't go outside, don't see your mom, don't do this. Like that was the hidden agenda underneath the 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 medical industrial complex was to actually psychologically. Mm-hmm. Uh, drive you psychologically drive or uh, keep you outside and these are all basic fundamentals of mind control going back to the very beginning in the 50s where they were studying the Manchurian candidate right because the Americans thought that the communists in North Korea were doing this that's how the Manchurian candidate idea got conceptualized but they knew from the very beginning they're very simple things you do to control people which is Take them away from social situations. Uh, you know, you deaden their ability to see things, so you're inside all day, and then there you become more pliable. You become a, a better test subject because you're not talking to somebody else to like, uh, you know, confirm like going on, like, hey, this guy's a jerk or whatever. And I don't like you're much more pliable. So I think those those things that they knew back in the fifties were implemented during COVID, no question. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we were entering a, a new phase based on what what I'm perceiving here. The first, of course, the lockdowns in COVID and all the psyops behind our medical mafia and pharmaceuticals and things of that nature. Now there seems to be targeting children in a in a very nefarious way, and they are focusing on attempting to not only alter physically the genetics of what we are, but it seems like they're slowly chipping away at this and starting with the younger generations so that the future generations will already be indoctrinated into these horrible, disgusting ideologies that they're trying to implement. Yeah, they're doing it successfully, I think. They're Mm. totally evil, like the people who are running the world. 
and puppeteering all of these countries through algorithms and fake voting machines. They're really not voting machines. They're just tricking you to think you're voting. They're installation machines to install whoever the hell they want to. But uh, they're the most sinister stuff that the world has probably ever seen in, in such a coordinated event. So I think that they're worse than the Nazis, the people who are power, the WEF and stuff like that. I'm not it, kidding. Oh, I, I agree with you 100%. And there's something, while we're on the some of the technology being rolled out, there's some belief that what we're seeing with chat GPT is just the beginning of a rollout of a new type of global or centralized search engine that is will be similar to Google, but with, it will only provide approved propaganda for your computer screen or, or phone for you to absorb because doing your own research is going to become something that is frowned upon or possibly even illegal at times. And it also ties into deeming folks who don't follow the narrative blindly as domestic terrorists. So we're entering some dangerous territories here. Absolutely no question about it. Very dangerous. And that new bill, I forgot, was it the Enact bill? Like they you can't have a VPN, you mm. have to sign up to use the internet. Like it's just more turning the screws on control against freedom and liberty. Like they don't want you to have cognitive liberty. That's how bad it is. Like it's like beyond dystopia, where like you're just a zombie. And going after the kids, it's just incredible, like confusing them, using mind control techniques. The gender affirming care mm. is the annihilation of gender, actually. I mean, imagine imagine being such a monster that you take away a person's ability to procreate. Yes. You are a demon. These people should already have been in jail. Well, that like seems like it's the stuff. it's the end game is a, a depopulation eugenics yeah, agenda to eventually get humanity to where there's no desire to procreate, to where we are so genetically altered that we probably wouldn't be able to have kids anymore. And this is all being done systematically, targeting children now, but it's been also an ongoing agenda for a while to alter us through our food, water, different types oh, of yeah. technology and frequencies, and it just seems to be all coming together right now in a very obvious way. But I'd have hope because people are people are, are realizing this. So that would that's what gives me hope is because it's it I think they're must be moving way too fast for some reason that it is jolting people awake. Whether it's intentional yeah. or not, I don't know. I think that they were confident in their kind of mind control, media control things. But people, once they realize they're being lied to, they can't go back. Like, I can't watch TV anymore. So I think that a lot of people are just fleeing from the the Borg element of the hypno programming that they put under. So uh, I think you're right. I think people really are realizing it. But they're poisoning everything. Like, there's graphene oxide and other pills. It's not even just the shots. But you get graphene oxide and other toxins you have no idea. And Bill Gates, like... He's involved like the he's the kingpin behind so much poisoning that's going on out there. It's really kind of beyond like there's a distinction between depopulation and eugenics. But it, I think it's really much more depopulation like they're just, they're going after everybody. Mm. Do you think that this is a unified effort that all these groups are in sort of a power pyramid structure, top down situation or are there different factions fighting it out for different areas of control over humanity. What do you think about that? I think it's top-down. It's all the Bilderberg types. That's really behind the WEF. Schwab is just, just a front man 
between these old line families, King of England, uh, elite families here, Rockefeller Trust, Bill Gates. And it seems like both sides are are controlled completely. They they want people either on the extreme right or the extreme left. They don't want people coming together and exploring the middle ground because the extremes is what keeps us hating each other and fighting and not realizing who the real enemy is. No question. No question. It's all by design. All this whole duality thinking. If they can get you to think in simple binaries, they control you. Mm. Right, left, uh, liberal, conservative, white, black, whatever, all those things. So you got to really watch out for that kind of think brand. I'm, I've kind of taken myself even out of the spectrum of right, left, mm. because I have very, what it would be called left idea. I mean, I guess the Bill of Rights is the Bill of Rights, right or left or conservative or liberal, because for me, it's for everybody. It's like pro-human being, you know. Well, so what used to be left is more that. conservative now, and what we see the left as is super extreme clown world now. So yeah, it's super. <laughs> we have to kind of shift our ideologies to not yeah. be brought down to that, right? Totally, yeah. So to, you have to change your way of thinking. And I think it's really just a uniparty. I think the uniparty concept in D.C., where they're all parasites and living off the mm. people, is probably more accurate. Like, they've got people like my, my in California – they have this doddering old senator, you know, Feinstein, who barely even knows where she is. Like, what's she doing there? She's not helping anything. She's a freaking parasite of the first order. Like, retire. Just go mm. do, go place a shuffleboard. You're getting in the <laughs> way of, like, our ability to exist by just sitting there like a parasite. And Joe Biden's a total parasite, too. So it's things aren't good. Yeah. I mean, if you really think about it, it's like you realize, whoa. You know, yeah, well, I don't let political parties doing my thinking for me at all, ever. Right. Well, like I said, I have hope that the mistakes that are being made and the extreme push to get people to go in a certain direction is is waking up more people, and it's probably causing more problems for the establishment than anything. But again, I don't know. The operations run so deep. There's so many layers that this could be what they want us to think. And I think that everything that we see on social media and TV and the news has all been pre-approved for proper propaganda distribution for us to just absorb the nonsense anything that that is allowed to pass through the airwaves has has been properly sanitized for for us to to digest according to what they want us to believe and right now we're it's we're in interesting times it seems like we're in between operations we have an upcoming election with some interesting players being involved and it seems like there's always after the election season is when the events start to ramp up and things start to really get going as far as psychological operations false flags things of that nature and we seem to be between those things right now. There's always got to be an invisible enemy, always a fear campaign of some sort. We just got out of the COVID. There is a large division campaign going on with like what we were talking about earlier, transhumanism, the targeting of children. But what is next for the global scare tactic? What do you what do you think? Do are we in for climate change or a fake yeah, alien invasion? Yeah. <laughs> Both. Both. Yeah. You know, they're going to try to unleash that if people climate change. I One of the things that you got to really be careful is just don't accept their terminology like uh, vaccine, climate change, trans, because mm. the climate's always been changing in the world. <laughs> I mean, we yeah. don't we don't fly around the, the sun 
uh, straight away. It's an ellipse. That's why we have seasons. Uh, so it's uh, it's silly to even use that term. They're really against man-made global warming while they fly around in their jets, you know. So they're total hypocrites and liars. It's all about social control. And it really has been from the beginning of time. Even in all of these other aristocracies, they were always concerned about maintaining power, maintaining power in their family, and keeping the herd terrified of whatever it is, hobgoblins, vampires, the enemy. It's always somebody else. It goes, it's Orwell encapsulated it at all in uh, 1984. So it's just, they're just going to try to scare the living daylights out of people and make them passive and uh, malleable. And I think so, uh, this whole thing, whatever man-made global warming or something like that it's so stupid it's so easily (laughs) discounted i mean when krakatoa blew up it released so much stuff into the atmosphere it dwarfed anything human beings have done by ten thousand times so like we have to go on a big campaign to stop volcanoes and stuff like that like it's a joke and it all goes into cyclical right the carbon Mm -hmm. cycle and all that stuff it's a total stupid joke only suckers fall for that whole climate stuff that's why they're all kids like under you know 20 you just fall for that blatant propaganda mind rape pop, pop yeah rape. i think so, yeah and so they right. have the, the the other thing is you mentioned the ufo thing they just had a thing mm. uh today that guy on uh in congress right so this is what july 26th mm. they're pushing that too we have all this stuff we've got the bodies we can't show it to you but we've got it like this is like what are we paying taxes for like i'm paying taxes so you can t- have proof of interstellar uh interstellar beings or intergalactic or universal, uh, some other foreign human being that you're not going to show to the public. What a joke. It's a total mm. joke. Yeah, it seems that this might be the, the final card, the last option they have, because I don't see the majority of people blindly following another lockdown, another pandemic-type situation. This would have to be something that is a very extreme operation that can – Fool people that we are actually being invaded by non-human intelligences and that we have to come together. We're in very, very interesting times right now. And I think that the next few years are going to be a indication on whether or not we're going to be in a complete technocratic slave system or if we could. Do you think it's a chance that we might be able to break out of this? It's going to have to, like, people can just say no and resist. That's really it. I don't want to have a C, what is it, CBDC or something. Mm. I don't want to have a digital thing. I don't want anything on my body. So I think a lot of people are moving. I've, I've like, you know, people are moving out of the cities. I've heard of that. So some form of resistance uh, away from the fiat currency and all this stuff. Uh, passive resistance. So I, I don't know. I, I think that we're kind of, like, entering into Book of Revelation times like that bad so well there's also we also have this savior figure that we're presented with that is going to to supposedly lead us in the right direction we had the trump character for the last election now we have rfk which i think that anybody that is allowed to be in that position of the presidency has already been compromised and we're not going to see any type of real concern or desire to help humanity. Yeah, no. Trump is just, I mean, what did Albert Pike say? We'll give them the leaders that they want. Yeah. So he's probably Masonic. He's got all kinds of dark connections. Mob, Roy Cohn, mm-hmm. all these guys. Um, so 
I think that the whole Trump, you know, God as Titan is all carefully crafted, just like well, you uh, just look Q1, barely Q1 on beneath the surface on Kennedy as well. And he's got nefarious connections that he has long time been associated with. So I don't think any of these guys are going to really have humanity's best interest in mind. Yeah, it's really a bad, we're in, we're in a bad, bad place. I mean, I mean, yeah. Yeah, I think I we just really need to stop us, yeah. putting our faith in politics. And like yeah. you said, we need to start taking care of our own and, and not trust right. in and just realize that this system is built to deceive us and keep us down. Yeah, it's sovereignty, right? Mm. So like they, uh, the necessity, I'm like, I think Washington said in his first inaugural, the government that governs best governs least so like all this federal stuff we don't need a lot of this stuff they have to prove something to prove that they're getting you know why they deserve 10 billion dollar budgets but a lot of that stuff should be devolved back down to the states and really all power down to the individual sovereignty of the individual mm. um, and We're... that's really what the bill of rights is about that's why people that's why these tyrants never want to mention the constitution mm. or the bill of rights they just say oh it's a, it's a democracy <laughs> it's really not a democracy we're a representative republic you're lying or you're mm. duping yourself. So, well, we're definitely in extremely fascinating and interesting yeah. times. I do have hope just because of the amount of people that are becoming aware of things. So, we'll see. And William, thank you so much for coming back on today. Before, this was Thank you. Yeah, before, before you go, I go, go can ahead. you share can you give me screen sharing? I yes. want to show you something. Let me pull that. I want to show here. you what that's a participant go share. Go for it. Okay, cool. There it is. Look at this is something shared between Barack Obama to Joe Biden, our current president. Do you see this necklace? This is from June 9, 2019. You see yeah. that? Yeah. See the huh. smiley face? Uh, yeah. See the pizza? See the pizza? See the blue yes. star? And that, that flower is a pedo symbol, too. It is interesting. Yeah, smiley face, pizza, pedo symbol. That's that's those two presidents. That's what they know. That's, That's why Joe was always trying to kiss little kids and stuff. It's gross. See, these are the symbolism mm. that they share amongst each other that go beyond normal words, right? So, And I can't remember who said it, but symbolism will be their downfall because if they keep flaunting this stuff, the more and more people wake up. Yeah. So, That's from I, 2019. That's a necklace that they shared between each other, yeah. That is so interesting. Crazy, yeah. Crazy stuff. William, thank you so much. Before you go, let the audience know where they can find your books, your podcast, all your content. My books can be found on Amazon, or you can buy signed copies at my website, WilliamRamseyInvestigates.com. And then my podcast is in the top 0.5% of podcasts in the world based upon listen notes. I'm almost at 1,000 episodes, and you can just find that on iTunes, William Ramsey Investigates. Excellent. William, thank you so much. We'll definitely be doing this again, and I will be talking to you again next month on your show. And cool. until next time, everyone, have an excellent evening. We will talk again tomorrow. See you all then.